0: Hi, everybody. It's Letitia. I always say, who else would it be? I'm happy to be here with you as usual. I, in a recent article that I wrote for uh, Authority Magazine, one of the questions that they asked me is, what's the most interesting and exciting thing that I'm working on right now? And I actually put this podcast was the interesting and most exciting thing that I'm working on right now. Now, My work with my clients is pretty interesting and exciting and it's never a dull moment. They keep me on my toes. But when I thought about this podcast, what I said to them was, you know what? It actually allows me to share a part of myself that is not often shared um, during coaching calls. But it has also confirmed to me just from the feedback that I've gotten that humanity and people are hurting. And even though I might be telling stories or talking about random things, there is always some element of healing, I believe, that comes out through the podcast. And I feel like I can be a vessel of healing and hope through the podcast. So I feel really privileged to do that. And I and I told them, like, I don't know what could be more exciting and interesting in that. Somebody asked me, like, how do you know what to talk about? I don't. I learn from all of life. I learn from conversations that I have every week. I don't really watch a lot of the news, but I really just learn from all of life. And I might be reading something or watching something, and it might feel resonant. And then I'll be like, you know what? I want to talk about that. But here's what happens. I might have a ton of notes about it. And I never script out the podcast, just FYI. And I come into the studio to record and whatever it was that I thought I was going to be talking about, either it goes in a completely different way or that's not the thing that comes up. So every time when I open my mouth, sometimes I'm just as surprised as you (laughs) all with what comes out. So it's interesting and exciting because it actually keeps me on my toes as well, like living on the edge. Like, what is this going to be today? Because in in all honesty, there's this fear of like... What if there's nothing or what if it doesn't make sense or what if it doesn't all come together? But, you know, I'm guessing that it has all come together so far, so I'm just going to keep on letting it do what it does. That being said, I was watching this documentary by, uh, I mentioned it in another podcast, but this documentary, and it was only available for a short period of time by Dr. Gabor, G-A-B-O-R, Mate, M-A-T-E with the little thing over the E. And it was called The Wisdom of Trauma. It was so good that I actually watched it twice. The wisdom of trauma. And y'all know I love inner childhood wounds, childhood woundings, core woundings, and things that just allow me to dive deep in the topic of that. And that documentary was phenomenal if you can look it up and if if they show it again if you just really want to know more about that i would definitely recommend that and he also has a book called in the realm of hungry ghosts so i read the book and, and i read the book and um the documentary within like a day or two but it was just really looking at the same thing that i'm always talking about just the core wounds but it gave me a lot of perspective and one of the women in the um in the documentary, she said, if we could start looking at people and instead of saying what's wrong with people, we start asking what happened to people, that we would be a lot more compassionate with people and seeing how and why they show up in life the way that they do. So that, that got me to thinking about that a, a lot, because when we are looking at people of like what's wrong with them, that's always from a place of judgment, So I sent, um, my mom was in the hospital. I was like, she's probably bored. So I sent her the documentary. The next day, she messages me and she said, you are a lifesaver. And my mom was like, I have gone through so many things. And she said, I never actually dealt with them. You know, people say time heals all wounds. I disagree with that. I'm, I, she didn't say that. I'm telling you that I disagree with that. Time doesn't heal wounds because if that were the case, our core childhood wounding wouldn't still be showing up in our lives and affecting us at 30, 40, 50 years old. So time heal all wounds is just absolute BS. But she was saying how, and she was just telling me, "Did you know this? Did you know that?" My mom shared with me some traumatic things that happened to her. I had no idea of some of the things that happened to her, but in retrospect, I can see how they shaped her perspective. I can see how they shaped the woman that she has become. And what it allowed me to do as well was meet her with a lot more compassion and just understanding her plight, right? Understanding. And also it allowed me to look and say, these are the things that I will not carry on or I choose not to carry on and perpetuate these certain mindsets and things that I that I learned and observed. So it was just a really, really good good documentary and a a good conversation with my mom. So that got me to thinking about this cycle of drama. A lot of times what we don't understand is how we develop addictive personalities. And we may not necessarily be addicted to sex or gambling or drugs. But do you know that you can actually be addicted, like chemically addicted to drama And I was having a conversation with someone and I think I started thinking about drama because I said, I will not get pulled into this drama. I will not get pulled into this story. And that got me to thinking about drama because this is what most people say in their conscious minds. Look, I'm not with the drama. I'm not with the shits. Like, no, I don't do drama. That's what most people say consciously. Most people will tell you that they hate drama, right? But I I found that not always to be the case. So that got me to researching and looking it up. So there's this article that I read by Dr. Billy Gordon, B-I-L-L-I, if you want to fact check. And he was talking about drama. And he was talking about excessive attention seeking and those kinds of things like that, right? So he was basically saying that drama eases the anxiety of wanting more attention than you are getting. And since drama uses the same mechanisms in the brain as opiates, as drugs, people can easily become addicted to drama. So like any chemical addiction, if you're addicted to drama, you'll build up a tolerance to it and you'll need more to satisfy you. So sometimes when we see people, I don't know if you've ever seen people that like, They have cycles of drama and stress and just all kinds. You should just be like, how is this working for you? Well, guess what? It's doing something for people. If you see people in constant drama, constant stress, constant cycles of drama, constant cycles of stress, it's just as if that person is addicted to a chemical or addicted to a drug. It's the exact same thing. And I was like, wow, that really made so much sense. But it also resonated with, instead of saying what's wrong with people, what happened to people? That got me looking up like excessive attention seeking, right? As opposed to looking at it as a character flaw. You know, we all know people that need to be the center of attention or are going to do something to bring attention upon themselves, even if it's negative attention. And looking that up, I learned, it's like the brain is wired that way but it's a response to early developmental trauma that's caused by neglect. So attention or the lack of attention became a threat to the child's safety or survival. And now, well, because newborns are dependent on getting their mother's attention for survival, the more their needs are neglected during early development, the more the child equates getting those needs met or getting attention with survival and safety. So the more they develop the belief that it's necessary to go to whatever lengths they need to go to to get attention. I'm telling y'all, my whole way of thinking and being and existing and showing up in relationships and the way that I'm looking at them is really shifting and changing because I don't want to be the person who is just telling people what without telling people how, like how to get through some of these things. Just like if you recognize these things in yourself, Everybody needs attention, so there's nothing wrong with needing attention. We all need attention. We all desire attention. I think that when it's excessive, that it starts to feel like you're a parasite. You know, I've had people around me that were excessively in need of attention And it started to feel to me like there was a void in them that they would do anything to avoid. But I knew that I was not what it was that they were actually seeking. It was my attention that they were seeking. And now in in having this understanding, I can understand why people will go to any length necessary to fill the void. So if you can think of us, a lot of us, without this level of awareness as being children in adult bodies— I think it can allow us to understand people a lot more and and the motivations behind why people do what they do. So instead of meeting people with judgment, you know, you can meet them with compassion. Like, I can see how this person was never paid attention to and this this is their whole cycle. I had someone who was in my family that I, I was just like, this person would drive herself damn near crazy in cycles of drama and stress. I mean, going through the place of calling me like, you know, I had a breakdown, you know, I had a meltdown, and I'm just like, I I wasn't aware. And my way of dealing with that, because I I didn't have the tools, was I would just distance myself from it, which just probably made people feel less paid attention to or less wanted because I was less mature then. But I could not understand for the life of me, what, like, what are you doing and what is it that you're really after? But with this understanding, I get it. People need to be paid attention to. But if you're on the side of this cycle of drama, my friend, you're going to have to find a way to fill the voids within yourself. That I always say this, that's not at the expense of other people. Because everybody is not getting this awareness. Everybody is not studying trauma. Everybody is not going to give you this incessant attention that you need, that you didn't give from your mama and your daddy. Them. Everybody is not going to be that compassionate with you. So as a gift to yourself... If you could learn like the origins of these things and the origin of that behavior and then take responsibility to give yourself the attention that you need, then, you know, life just might go better because it would be great if we all lived in the world where everybody was trauma informed. And so I can understand that this is not what's wrong with people, but this is not what's happening. Everybody ain't doing that. Everybody is not going to do that. And so what ends up happening is that you'll probably get more hurt In relationships where you feel let down and you feel like people are not going to give you the attention that you desire because it is excessive and nobody can fill the void within you, that is your job. So that I want to talk about the cycles of drama, cycles of excessive attention seeking, cycles, it's the same as like cycles of addiction. What we do is we make one addiction worse than another You have an addiction to work. I have an addiction to sex. Wait, let me, let me, I I don't have an addiction to sex. I'm just saying, uh, hypothetically speaking, if you have an addiction, addiction to work, let's say I have an addiction to food. The next person has an addiction to sex. The other person has an addiction to drama. The other person has an addiction to porn. So we're going to judge addictions when it's all the same wiring of the brain, just a different substance of choice to fill the void. And addiction... Is usually our response to trauma so that we don't feel the pain. So whether you use, you are using work, you're using sex, I'm using food. Y'all know I'm greedy and I like to eat. This person is using porn. It's to avoid feeling the pain. We all want to avoid the same thing. So I think if we could stop judging people's quote-unquote substance of choice, right, we could understand this a little more. But where I was going about filling the void How do you even begin to fill the voids within yourself? Listen, if it were easy, everybody would do it. Healing is hard work. I don't care what people tell you, healing is hard work because to heal, you've got to feel the thing that hurt you in the first place. You've got to feel the thing that hurt you in the first place and who wants to feel pain? Who wants to willingly raise their hand and say, hey, I'm going to feel this pain so that I can heal. So to really feel, some of us are so numbed out that we don't even feel it. You know how calluses form on your foot and calluses are the hardened skin that's protecting the tender skin underneath. Some of our hearts have become so callous that we we can't even begin to feel. And so our hearts have to soften enough to even feel what hurt us in the first place. But we have to feel what hurt us in the first place and be willing to sit with those feelings and find a way to feel F-I-L-L, the voids that are inside of us, right? Because a lot of us have voids, like deep voids. I always say we have God-sized voids inside of us that humans couldn't possibly feel. People can help us, but people can't fill our holes. People cannot fill our holes And a lot of us, we have band-aids over gaping wounds and we need just like open-heart surgery. But to really heal from whatever your addictions may be, you're going to have to go within and you're going to have to F-E-E-L the voids and then F-I-L-L the voids. But filling the voids with something that actually gives you what it is that you need. So for example, if we go with attention, how can you be the recipient of your own attention? How can you lavish yourself with so much love, so much attention, and you fill your own little your own little love cup, you doing it, right, without making it somebody else's responsibility? Because what ultimately happens is you have to reparent yourself. I was having a conversation with my friend just today because I sent her a post, and she was like, oh, I love that this person has a little you know, Laura or whatever her name was. And I'm like, right, I got a little tish, you got a little you. So you have to learn reparenting skills and learn how to reparent yourself, whether you are a mother, a father or not. You have to learn how to reparent the childlike version of you, give the childlike version of yourself what it is that you need so you can walk into healing in a greater way. If not, you're going to keep on with the cycles. Your cycle might not be drama. Your cycle might not be attention. Your cycle might be an addiction that nobody knows, but you know it, right? It might not be that. You might you might not necessarily have an addiction, but a lot of us, because of our own hurt, we've developed addictive personalities. And a lot of times we don't really recognize that we our attachment to this thing is just so that we don't feel the pain. What does feeling the pain look like? what does it feel like? I don't. I, I can tell you for me, when I just allow myself to feel whatever it is that I'm feeling, some, my biggest fear was that I would start to feel pain. I would be so overcome with pain or with grief that it would be unrecoverable. I was so afraid to experience that. I didn't know where it would take me, but I did it anyway. And so now I allow myself to feel it and I feel the full spectrum of my emotions. And guess what? They always balance themselves out and come back. But if I need to feel grief, or if I need to feel lost, or if I need to mourn, if I need to mourn whatever it feels like that I didn't that I didn't get from my mother or my parents or from my childhood or whatever, I just allow myself to do it. And then once I grieve or once I process those emotions, now the question becomes, Letitia or Lil Tish. What is it that you need? I've said this so many times before, you know, learning comes by repetition. What is it that you need? And then it's just like, okay, I really need this. And so let me give that to myself, but taking full 100% responsibility for meeting my needs. So then what other people do, the way other people show up to meet my needs is an enhancement. It's, an, it's a compliment I'm grateful for it, but it's not their responsibility. So there's the there's not the same expectation from anything and anybody outside of myself when I have taken the responsibility to meet my need. Does that make sense? I always say, does that make sense as if I can look at y'all, but in my mind just just nod your head in agreement or no, like just just work with me here like whether or not that makes sense because outside of that we will keep on with the addictive cycles in life and love and business. And I was saying to myself and saying to a friend, like, at what point do you get sick of this? Like, at what point do you get sick and tired of yourself? Have you ever gotten to a place in your life where you're like, I am tired of myself. Nobody has to point my stuff out to me. Nobody has to tell me what I need to do. I'm going to take stock of my own life and I'm going to make changes in my life. I don't have to post it on social media. I don't have to tell a damn soul. But because I'm tired of being in this place, I'm making changes. That's how you know when you're serious, when you go to work. If nobody else knows what it is that you're doing, fine. But you're going to work on yourself because you are ready to express a different version of yourself than the one that is current, that you're currently seeing. You know within yourself that there is so much more of you to be expressed. There is so much life, so much more life to be lived. And yet, because we've gotten trapped in these cycles and patterns, We've just settled for the cycles and patterns, right? But there is always an exit sign. There is always an exit sign. But it's up to you that when you see the exit sign to get off the, the roller coaster of your life and go in a different direction. If you don't, by default, you're choosing the same pattern. And you know what else? I think Dr. Nicola Lapera made a great point. And we judge people's cycles and we judge people's patterns as what this is what we say to people you know, you have so much potential. You're a beautiful woman. You can have anybody that you want. You can have anything in life that you want. So I'm not understanding why you're settling for this or why you're doing this or why you're showing up in life this way. Let me tell y'all the key to it all. I'm saying this, not her. The key to it all is we will settle for what feels familiar to us. What feels familiar to us is where we will likely stay right? We will settle for what feels familiar to us. The Bible says a dog will return to its own vomit and a washed pig is going to return to the mud. Y'all know I'm I'm translating it outside of the KJV because I don't speak with ETHs on the end of my word. So there's that. But a dog will return to its own vomit. A washed pig will return to the mud. Why? Because the dog can find the morsels of food that he had. The dog is not thinking like, oh, this is gross. This is vomit. The dog finds the morsels of food. The pig is comfortable in the mud. So we, too, will return to places that feel familiar and comfortable for us. I don't care if they're dangerous. I don't care if they're not in our best interest when we don't have this understanding of cycles of addiction, cycles of trauma, cycles of drama, right? I just used attention seeking and and like drama as an example, but there are so many cycles, right? Where in your life have you made progress? And then you look up and you're like, I'm right back in the damn mud. People say, I got it out the mud. Man, just how about getting out the damn mud? Right? You getting it out the mud? I'm getting out of the mud. Y'all can have the mud, right? I, I don't I don't want I want to get out of the mud and stay out of the mud. I don't want to return to my vomit. I don't want to return to those places that feel so familiar to me, but they are detrimental to me. But it takes breaking the cycle. And nobody can break these cycles for you but you by the power of your choice. It's almost like this. If I, used to, I, I used to be fascinated with intervention, with the show Intervention, when they would do these interventions and set the person up to go to intervention and tell them all these letters. And if you don't do this, we're going to um, not love you anymore or whatever the case may be. Listen, that's reality TV. But in the real world, try to separate an addict from their substance of choice, whatever that is, and you're going to be met with resentment or you're going to be met with resistance because until people choose to make changes, you are powerless to help them. You are powerless to force them. And if you are the person who needs to make the changes, nobody can do this until you choose to do it. I was just telling my mom today, I said, mom, you can look at what I'm. you, I mean, generally speaking, you can look at anybody's life and you look at something and you say that it this got to be so bad. It couldn't be that bad for the person if they have not changed it. I had an uncle. We called him Ned, like Ned on Good Times because he was an alcoholic. But Ned, I don't know that I've met a man who was as brilliant as him. Like this man could sit up and watch Jeopardy and know every single answer. But Ned also lived on the street. He lived on the street panhandling because he could concoct a scheme to get money to get his, uh, his, his substance, right? He didn't want to go to work. He didn't want to be more in life than what he had chosen to be. Maybe the trauma from going to war, maybe the trauma, I don't really know, right? But what happened to him and how he was showing up in life, that is what he chose until the day he died. He lived an alcoholic life and he died an alcoholic life because he did not choose anything different. I am not saying that it is simple. I'm I'm not saying like people are addicts and they just say, oh, I quit and it's going to be simple. But what I am saying is that everything that we do is fostered by our own choices and nobody outside of us can force us to choose anything. So if you have a cycle of drama, a cycle of attention seeking, a cycle of porn, a cycle of overeating, a cycle of overspending, a cycle of depression, like whatever your cycle is, regardless of how you got there, it starts with you choosing first and foremost that this is not where you're going to be to say that this this is going to be the end of this. And then the other things start working in your favor. But as for us, we like to think that we're so powerful that we're going to shame somebody into changing. We're going to nag somebody into changing. We're going to point things out to be like, look at how you're ruining your life. Look at who's affected by this. Guess what? People are consciously aware of those things, but they will change and only will they change the moment that they decide to. So for me, I was, I promise you, I was telling my mom that today. I was like, mom, I'm not, I didn't say this to my mom. I'm telling y'all, I'm not with the shits. Like, I'm not, Participating in people's cycle of drama and going to crazy town and people's story with them and going on all of these emotional roller coasters because people want attention or people just want my attention but they have not made the choice to change. That's a boundary for me and and also it allows me to work on fixing my own life because I have things within my own life that I need to change. But. We don't have to go through life. The, the gist of all of that is we don't have to go through life in cycles and circles and just dizzy as hell because we keep going round and around and around the same cycles and patterns, if you will. It's just really an oppression of the mind in, in the in the greatest way. And nobody can change your mind for you. You have to choose to renew it. So I am committed to renewing my mind day in and day out. Because like I said on another podcast, freedom is my ultimate goal. I want to be mentally, you know, I just want to be free. I don't want to be empowered or enslaved by anything outside of me because anything that I need for my existence outside of myself I'm enslaved to and outside of God it's just not an okay place to be for me but for you you have to decide what works for you but you can stop the cycles with the choice and it's not easy by any means but it is simple to make the choice and then you know you figure out the rest the, the next steps from there anyway Just sharing my own insight, my experience, my thoughts, my research with you as always. I love each and every one of you in ways that you probably couldn't imagine. I appreciate each and every one of you. Keep sharing the podcast because I keep getting the feedback that lives are being changed. And that is what this is all about. Have a beautiful rest of your day.